Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever service you're at today. We hope it's a good Sunday. Listen, we have the extraordinary privilege of having a good friend, although someone new um, to most in our community, uh, not new to me and Bethany's life. We have been inspired uh, by the man you're about to hear from. His name is Roland Cooper. Uh, he's a pastor, he's an intercessor, he's prophetic. Guys, open your hearts to him uh, today. You're gonna be blessed. Thank you so much, Pastor Temple, for inviting me to your service Sunday afternoon. It's so beautiful to be another congregation in the city of Cambridge. Uh, it's my delight to be with you today. May the Lord use me to minister a word that will encourage, strengthen, and comfort you on this beautiful Sunday afternoon, the first Sunday of the 10th month of 2020. God bless you. Let's say a word of prayer. Our Father, we invite you at this time to take full charge over this atmosphere. As I stand, Lord, as your mouthpiece, I pray that may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. May you use me, Lord. May my tongue become an instrument of writing in your hand to minister your word to your people today. Being reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. And so, Lord, I thank you for what you are preparing to do today. May, may there be signs, miracles, and wonders to take place today as we minister your word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I want to read a portion of scripture to you from the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Uh, the, the writer to Hebrews declared, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he is, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, uh, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is very comforting, especially in this day that we live where COVID-19 seems to be uh, an enemy of mankind, not only here in the United States of America, but all over our world. Globally, it's affected every last person on this planet. And therefore, if there is one thing that we can hold on to, it's God's unchanging hand. But, but the writer here is encouraging us today, and therefore, let me begin by introducing myself to many of you who do not know me. I am from the Caribbean, a beautiful country of Trinidad and Tobago. Came to Christ in, my, in the mid-20s as a young man, younger, sorry, younger man. Um, I was introduced to Christ at a youth meeting that someone invited me to, and uh, uh, it wasn't too long after that I turned my life over to the Lord. And of course, I never really wanted to be just a churchgoer. I wanted to make an impact upon our world. And there was a young man in my village back there in the island of Tobago where I was born and grew up and 
got my education back there. Uh, his name was Lewis Williams. I trust that he'll see this broadcast at some point of time. This young man uh, who was saved before me, longer than I, uh, I mean safe, he would go up into the mountains uh, and spend hours in prayer. And one day I recall asking him, Lewis, why do you spend so much time in prayer? And he said to me, Roland, I did not want to be like any other Christian. I wanted to make a difference to somebody's life. I did not just want to go to church with a Bible and a an hymnal and just to sing songs and go back home and my life remained the same. He wanted to make an impact. And that inspired me. When he said it, and because I came from a family of 10, I thought, well, my family became my mission field. So therefore, I just decided to adapt the very same method that he did. So I would spend, I would get up in the wee hours of the morning and spend hours in prayer for my siblings. I have nine of them. I came from a family of 10, seven boys and three girls. So therefore, I did not just pray, God bless this one, bless that one. I really wanted them to experience the same salvation that I experienced. So that means that I got, I got saved before I got married. And of course, one of the, the dreams after I got saved is that I did not want to marry someone who is not saved. I did not know the scripture had condemned that. I, I, I just wanted to make sure that if I'm going to marry someone, the person had to be saved. Maybe I had my own selfish reasons for this because I believe if I marry someone who is saved, then I wouldn't get that much problem. But I realized that marriage in its own has problems. Amen. Because the Bible says two shall become one. And in order to have that oneness, I realized love alone does not do it. You need some other things. It's like iron sharpens iron for the two to become one. So therefore, I would spend hours in prayer for my brothers and sisters, and slowly I began to see God saving them one by one and bringing them in and so forth and all the wonderful things that God began to do in my life in prayer. So I've been praying in the wee hours of the morning for many years, and even as I'm standing before you, my normal hours of prayer in the morning is somewhere between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. That's the time when I would wake. And of course, you've heard the phrase that says, if you want to wake early, you got to go to bed early. So early to bed, early to rise. And therefore, I go to bed early so I can give my body the proper rest that it needs so I can wake early and spend time with God. And of course, after studying the scriptures in the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 1, verse 35, Jesus Christ would wake very early in the morning and he would go off into a solitary place where he spent time with his Father in heaven. And when I saw that scripture, I thought, this is good practice for me, for me, Roland. You can wake early in the morning when there's nobody disturbing you, and you can spend time with God. So, of course, I adopted that principle. And uh, when I came to the United States, I got in touch with uh, Bishop Gideon Thompson, who his name was Gilbert Thompson at New Covenant Christian Church. And when I connected with him, he had prayer in the morning, and I thought, oh, man, this is the church I need to be in. A church that really embraces my church shall be called a house of prayer for all people. And when he said that he's going to make a new covenant a place of prayer, I thought, that's the church I wanted to be in. And of course, so he and I began to pray in the wee hours of the morning. And after a while, I felt the, the impression of the Holy Spirit that we need to increase our prayer time. We would pray from 5 to 6. And I spoke to Bishop Thompson, can we increase the time? So we'd pray from 5 to 6, 
and from 6 to 7. So we had two hours of prayer every single day. And of course, because of this, we pray Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and on Saturday, we pray for one hour, um, inviting uh, people to be part of us. So I spent over three decades with Bishop Thompson, um, praying and bringing, uh, bringing all kinds of, we have seen all kinds of miracles that God worked. And you may recall back then in the late 90s that the Boston Group came in and they did an article that's called The Boston Miracle. You may have, if you could look in the archives of the Boston Group and see it there. And I remember as the Boston Group came in to check our church, that um, the question was asked, what's the secret of the success of New Covenant Christian Church? And uh, Bishop Thompson says, the secret is prayer. And of course, they ask again, what is the secret? I know it's prayer, yeah, 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 but what's the secret? And Bishop Thompson says, prayer. Eh? No, no, I know it's prayer, but what is the secret? And Bishop Thompson says, prayer. And when he said it, I said, this man really has my heart. So of course, we began to, con we continue to pray in the wee hours of the morning, and seeing God work miracles in the city of Boston. Well, of course, we found out that the two hours of prayer per day wouldn't cut it. The Lord laid on my heart. We need to pray for marriages. We need to pray for marriages because if the family is strong, then our society will be stronger. So, of course, I decided let us embrace one night of prayer. So we began having all-night prayer once a month. The last Friday of every month, we would go to prayer from 10 to 5 a.m. in the morning just seeking the face of God on behalf of families. And we've seen God work wonders. So therefore, the word of the apostle James, who says in James chapter 5, verse 16b, he says, the prayer of the righteous man, and those of you that are King James students like myself, says it availeth much. But the NIV says, the prayer of the righteous man, they are powerful and effective. Which tells me that the words of William Cowper, that old English poet that says, that the devil trembles when the weakest sin prays. It tells me that the only thing that the devil is afraid of is a praying man or a praying woman. And therefore, I says, Lord, I thank you. I'm in good company. I'm in company with a man who loves God. Well, enough, of, enough said about me. You did not come to hear much about me. You came to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. So the writer of the Hebrews says, let us then approach God's throne with grace and confidence. And of course, one version says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. Well, as I began to study this word, I said, okay, then if I love prayer and, I, and there are people that are surrounding me that love prayer, then, then we need to find out how should we pray. That how should we pray, the very same question that the disciples asked Jesus in the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, one day after Jesus went uh, through praying, one of them walked up to him and says, Lord, teach us to pray. And I found out that they did not just ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, but they wanted to learn to pray. And Jesus Christ told them exactly what they need to do if they wanted to have their prayer answered. So after studying the Holy Scriptures, I realized that many people pray, but really, they do not know really how to touch heaven, how really to have our prayer answered. Well, of course, as I began to study the Word of God, I realized that God, after God drove men from the Garden of Eden, that as a matter of fact, before God drove men from the Garden of Eden, we have the two first children, Adam and Eve. We set the stage. God set the stage as, as to what is required of men when they approach him. And therefore, we have our two brothers and sisters, 
Cain and Abel, the first two children. And of course, the Bible says one day, Cain, I mean, Cain and Abel brought their sacrifice or their offering before God. And we see exactly in the scriptures where God accepted Abel's sacrifice with pleasure. He accepted it. He was, he was well pleased with Abel's sacrifice. But then Cain brought, Cain brought his sacrifice before God, and when he brought it, God rejected his, and because he, of the rejection that Cain experienced from God, he became jealous of his brother, and because of the jealousy, he slain his brother. Well, of course, this shows me that you and I cannot just come before God any old how. That God, because God is holy and God is righteous, it tells us if we're going to approach God, the psalmist declared, who shall stand on the mountain of the Lord? It's only they that have what? Clean hands and a pure heart. It tells me that what Cain did when Cain brought before God, Cain came before God to bring his own works. And your works will not go or stand in God's presence. Isaiah declared that all our righteousness are considered filth in God's nostrils. Which means that any good thing that you and I could ever think of doing is considered rejection by Almighty God if it's not done through Jesus Christ our Lord. And therefore, uh, the Bible says, Jesus Christ himself says so. He says, if any man will come to God, he's got to come through me. As a matter of fact, he says, no one can come to the Father except they come through me. And Jesus says, I am the way. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not your church, not your family, but it's Jesus and Jesus only. Well, of course, just Jesus Christ decided to teach these brothers how to approach God, how to approach God. We need to find out the secret, how should we approach God? If, 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 if some people are accepted uh, when they go before God and some are rejected, then, then, then we can see clearly that there is a method, there is some kind of method to approach God in such a way that God would hear your prayer. And, and some of us perhaps have been praying for years and your prayer seems to hit the ceiling and fall back to the ground. And you perhaps are wondering, what, 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 have I, what, what am I doing? What have I done? What, what, what? Isn't God hearing me? Does God favor someone more than others? Well, I want you to know that God does not show favoritism. For God loves everyone equally. Please remember this. God loves you. God loves you. When he sent his son into this world to die for the sins, he did not just send him to die for the Jews. He sent him to die for the whole world. John chapter 3 verse 16. For the Bible clearly tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And to, he said he did not send his son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Which tells me that God does not show favoritism. So if God has done it for John, and God has done it for Harry, God can do the same for you. All he wants is for us to find out the secret in approaching Almighty God. Because if the words of James is true, when James says the prayer of the righteous man availeth much, then we need to know how to pray righteous prayers that when we approach God, that God will not reject us. Well, of course, I decide to do some studies as I look, as I study some of the individuals from the Bible, because as you look at Romans chapter 15, verse 4, the Bible says all these things that have been written in the past was written to teach us that through perseverance and endurance, we might have hope. And therefore, as we look at the scriptures, we need to find out the secret of having 
God answering our prayer. Well, we began to look at, as I began to look at the scriptures, I said, let me find out what are the things that has hindered folks from, um, from, from God hearing. Number one, the first thing in Psalm 66 verse 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Which tells me if I'm going to go before Almighty God, I got to go asking him to cleanse me and wash me. Now, of course, we do not hear much preachers today talking about repentance. But repentance is very key if God is going to hear you. You know, as I studied the scripture that I read earlier, talk about a high priest. Of course, in the days of old, there was a tabernacle that was being built. And God gave Moses specific measurements as to how to construct this tabernacle. And once a year, a priest or the high priest would go into this tabernacle with blood. And, and the blood was for his sins and the sins of the people. Now, when that high priest goes into the most holy place, if his hands was not clean, if his heart was not pure, when he goes into that holy place, he will be killed. And of course, we see that, of course, in the days of Moses. When Moses went up on the mountain to meet with the Almighty God, God told Moses, listen, do not even let an animal touch that mountain that I'm on. Because if an animal touched that mountain, he'll be killed. Which tells me that if the high priest should go into the most holy place and his heart was not right, he would surely be killed. And because no other person could go into that holy place to, to, to take the dead body out, that, 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 the string that you see would tie on many of these robes, that was a rope. It was not just a short tassel that was on him, but it was a long rope that when he goes into the holy place, as he walked into the holy place, the part of the rope would be outside. So if the Lord should kill him, they'll drag his body out from there until the Lord raised up another priest. Well, today, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that the curtain has been removed. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain that separated the most holy place from the holy place has been torn from top to bottom, giving you and I access into the more holy place because Jesus Christ destroy that barrier of hostility. Hallelujah. So therefore, that barrier has been removed and the Lord has given us access to come before him. So therefore, when you go in, as you study tabernacle prayer, you'll observe a basin of water that, symb that symbolizes repentance, where we ask God to search our hearts, creating me a clean heart to God, and when you are right spirit within me, this is exactly, you are asking God to wash you before you even go in. Well, of course, the Apostle Paul even picks it up at communion time. And today is the first Sunday, and many of you um, experienced uh, communion when you went to your church, in our church, in Destiny Life Center. We celebrate communion every time we meet. Not just once a month, but every time we meet, we lead folks into what is called a repentance prayer, because Paul says, he who drinks or eats this, this element in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment upon themselves. So therefore, let a man examine himself. So, of course, to approach God, it means that we need to be cleansed. We've got to get rid of that stuff. If you know that you have ought against your brother, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 says, if you know when you bring your gift to the altar, you know that you have ought against your brother, the Bible says leave your gift there. Go back and be reconciled and then come and offer your gift to God because please hear me, the God I'm talking about is not the God of Jezebel. I'm talking about the living God that the Bible says is a consuming fire. He's not to be played with. 
So if you're going to go before God in prayer, we need to get ourselves together. We set our houses together. Watch how you approach God. And of course, with some people go before the Lord in a half-hearted manner. They, they walk into God's presence in a half-hearted way. When you go to give God something, you give God what you feel like giving him. So, of course, we sing these songs, Abba, I belong to you. And sometimes they are just, just words, but there is no meaning. Please understand that God is not just looking at your lips. He looks at your heart to see if you understand the greatest commandment. When that young ruler asked the Lord, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus Christ says, the greatest commandment is this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. You see, and so that means that if I'm going to sing, if I'm going to give God something, it has to be what he requires and not what you feel like giving him. So, of course, I would say to the, the members of our church, if you know this morning that you are tired, do not jump on the prayer line. And because of COVID-19, we got to use prayer line to pray. And we have many times of prayer in our church. We, have, we, we pray from 5.30 to 6.30 in the morning. And I know it's early and the weather is kind of cool off now. And therefore, folks do not want to get out of bed. And I say to the, I say to the folks, listen, if you feel tired, don't give God your tired body. Go sleep. And when you wake, then jump on the prayer line. You'll be there, but you by, by yourself. We'll be gone. Uh, because if we're going to give God something, it has to be the best. It has to be the best. If God's going to accept it, so if you're going to approach God, it's got to be the best. The best. The best. So the best part of the day is in the morning. Pastor Cooper, well, I'm a night person. No problem. The best part of the day is the morning. Someone says, your breakfast meal is the most important meal of the day. So therefore, if you're going to give God the best part of the day, it must be in the morning. So, of course, so the Lord says, okay, so if you want to meet with me, meet with me in the morning. And if the best example we have is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Mark, I referred to, I referred to that, um, that reference earlier in the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus Christ would get up very early in the morning and go out into a solitary place where he spent time meeting with his father. And not only um, do we have um, um, this, but also in approaching God, one of the problems that I understand about believers is that we as believers are filled with unbelief. So the scripture said like this in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, that without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must first believe. See, so if I'm going to go before my father, I must believe that my father who loves me, that's the big thing. Because some of us came from homes and families where, of course, your father has not truly demonstrated love to you. And therefore, when it comes to God, you, you do not understand how this God who you can't see and touch could love you so much in spite of the flaws that are in your life. God loves you. And therefore, if for me to understand God loves me, I must believe that this God exists. He exists and he cares about me. Must. So, so faith, so the Bible says, we must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who, not just those who seek him, but those who earnestly seek him. Those who diligently seek him. 
those who has a passion to seek God. Now, this morning, of course, I was up very early before I went to our church. And, of course, I dressed like this because I had to stand before the camera like I'm doing before you right now. And because of that, I spent time before God, worshiping him and just talking to him. And then I said, Lord God, I am so appreciative to you because of who you are in my life. For your word tells me when our fathers and our mothers leave us, you are there to receive us. So because of this, I spent that first time of my prayer, not only asking God to forgive me, but this piece is so important, is I spent time worshiping God. Not coming before him with my long shopping list and says, let's go, I have this, this need and that need and this, this one is sick. Uh-uh. My first piece, and I believe that Jesus Christ in his teaching says, Hallowed be your name. Reverence him. He's teaching us how to come, how to approach God. So when we come before him, yes, I know you, you, your loved one is sick. Yes, I know you feel that pain. I know that you are broke. I know COVID-19 is creating all kinds of havoc. But the Lord says, when you come before him, you give him what he deserves. And I love Psalms 100. Psalms 100 and, and verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise to be thankful to him and to bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy is enjoyed forever. Therefore, I get into his presence. I would spend time, lift up my hands in worship to him before I ask him for anything. Before I ask him for, 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 for guidance for the day, for protection from COVID, before I ask him about blessing my wife and my children, I mean, before I ask him anything, I would spend that first time, that first 15, 20 minutes, sometimes I spend an hour just worshiping him, giving him what he deserves. For I believe, I'm going to give you a scripture. It's taken from Exodus chapter 25, chapter 20, 23. Exodus 23, verse 25. For the Lord says, if we just worship him, he promised that he'll bless your food and your water. Watch it. God said, if you'll only give me what I ask, I'm going to bless your food and I'll bless your water. I'm going to take sickness. Oh, I'm going to take sickness from you. Sickness and disease will flee from you. He says, you'll not be barren. None will miscarry or be barren among you. And then he says, to top it off, coop, I'm going to give you your full lifespan. I'm telling you, this is wonderful if I could only give God worship. No, no, no. I'm about to wrap it up because I know the time is on us. But, but I want to share this with you because this is very important in worship. In, 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 when you may recall back there when the Lord said to Moses, go down to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Do you know why? God was so passionate about delivering the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. He was passionate because the children of Israel, while they were in bondage, they could not give God the worship that God wanted because they were so oppressed by the adversary. And when you are being beaten down and oppressed, you don't have the strength to worship God. You don't have it. So God said to Moses, go down and tell Pharaoh, Tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me. God wanted worship to show you how much God wants worship. It is the only thing that God does not get from us. We are selfish people. Lord, I need a child. Oh, Lord, God. Can you just give me one baby, Lord? And the Lord said, okay, I hear your cry. I'm going to get you a baby. Here's a baby. And after you get the baby, we go off on our own. 
Hey, Lord, I need a good job. I need a high-paying job. Okay, fine. I'll give you a nice, high-paying job. And after you receive the job, then you're too busy on Sunday to worship him. So we have all kinds of excuses because we are selfish people. And God wants our worship. He wants it desperately. And, and the devil knows that God wants your worship. It's the reason why he said in Luke chapter 4, when he challenged Jesus Christ there, in Luke chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 4, he told Jesus, if you'll only worship me. He, what the devil is saying, he's saying, if you can't worship me, Satan is speaking to Jesus, if you can't worship me, then don't give God worship. So therefore, we have men and women today, great talents, great gifts that God has given to them. But guess what? They are not serving God. They prefer to use their talents to serve the evil one. So our world is messed up. Our government is messed up. The scripture says we fight against, not, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And you find it all there in Ephesians chapter 6. Worship, worship, worship. And, and of course, so therefore, it tells me that if I'm going to get God to move on my behalf, it means that I've got to understand worship. Well, of course, then of course, because when Moses asked the Lord, and I'm about to finish right here. Lord, whom shall I say, send me? If Jesus Christ says, when you approach God, you need to say, hallowed be thy name. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Pharaoh, I am that I am. Which tells me that God is whatever you need him to be. And I spent time this morning worshiping God. I said, Lord, I thank you for being my keeper. I thank you for being my healer. I thank you for being my deliverer. Thank you for being my provider. Thank you. I, I mean, I just began to express the way that I felt before God as I'm honoring him this morning in my worship. Hallowed be your name. Brothers and sisters, when you began to recognize the name of God, I just I am that I am. But when you began to acknowledge God for who he is, I'm going to close off with Psalms 91 from verse 14. Let me read it to you, brothers and sisters. This is what the scripture says. Isaiah chapter, sorry, um, it's Psalms 91. Psalms 91. This is what he says in verse 14. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I am going to rescue you. I will protect you because you acknowledge my name. And he says, you will call upon me and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and I will honor you. With long life, I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. Listen, the greatest ministry in any church is the ministry of prayer. I spent two weeks in Nigeria, um, and while I was in Nigeria, I recall that we'd go to the house of prayer in the wee hours of the morning and walk in towards the building where people gather together in the wee hours of the morning to seek the face of God. I would hear the loud noise from people echoing uh, through the sound of the atmosphere. And I recall asking the one who invited us there in Africa, what's that song? And he says, Coop, wait a minute. When you open the door, you'll see what I'm talking about. 
as we enter the sanctuary and open the front door of the church and walked in, there were hundreds of people at 5 o'clock in the morning and they were not praying. Oh, Lord, just have mercy. They were on their faces crying out to God, crying out to God because they needed God's help. And I thought, oh, Lord God, I've never seen this in the United States of America. It is my prayer, brothers and sisters, that prayer will spread like a virus. Just like COVID-19 has affected the world, my heart desires that prayer will break out like a revival in this New England. And I've been with prayer ministry for many years. Uh, your pastor, uh, Sister Beth, uh, and her husband have been with Beth for years with, with the New England Council of Prayer, traveling the whole of New England and praying from east to west, from north to south. I've been on prayer and I've been on my face before God and I've yet to see the kind of revival that I saw took place there in Nigeria taking place in Boston. And I'm saying to you, I want to see it bad. I want to see it. I don't want to talk prayer. I'm sick and tired of preachers that are talking prayer. I want to experience God. I want to know God. I want to know him, brothers and sisters. I don't want to just, just have a relation. You know, the Bible says that the people knew God's ways, but knew, Moses knew his face. I want to know him. And the only way to do so is when you spend time in his presence. James says, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Believe you me, brothers and sisters, it's the heart of God to draw near to you and to pull you in so that you get a sense that the Father loves you. Prayer, the prayer ministry of every church is the ministry that has been most severely attacked. I've been in churches all over this country preaching left and right about prayer ministry. And when I attend these ministries, what I found out is that there are so many that do not go to prayer. They'll pray before they eat their meal. They'll, they'll come to a concert They'll come to a big dinner if you're going to have a big dinner because they got food there. But when it comes to seeking the face of God, I'm telling you, I know folks today whose families are sick. They are on, they are on death, I mean, death's door. And, you are, and they say, Cook, can you pray for me? Can you pray with me? I say, yes, but they are not praying. They expect me to pray for them. You, you, you see, what happened is that people are looking for a kingdom that has a priest. God is saying, no, no, I'm looking for a kingdom that's filled with priests. You see, he wants you and I to be the ones that God is calling to stand in the gap on behalf of your family. You see, you can pray for, I can, you cannot pray for my family like I could. Neither can I pray for your family like you could. It's the reason why God says there in Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30, I'm looking for somebody. I'm searching for a man. I'm searching for someone who will stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I will not destroy the land with a curse. Our land, the United States of America, the world is guilty before God. We are all guilty before him. And therefore, I close off with the scripture that God gives to Solomon. He says, if my people, see, not the government, not our politicians. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and will pray and will seek my face and will turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. Would you bow your heads at me, please? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this audience today. As they sat there listening to me, Lord, many of them do not know who I am. They do not know my family. But they're listening to me, Father, and I'm sure that our spirits connect because you are one Lord, one spirit, one baptism, one faith. And so, Father, I pray for this audience today that you trouble them in their hearts as I'm speaking to them. Father, that even when they go to their beds tonight, would you wake them in the wee hours of the morning as you have done so many times to me? And would you provoke them in their hearts? Would you trouble them in their hearts? Lord, I pray that you place a running in their feet to run after you, my God, even as the dead thirst for the water. Give them a hunger and a thirst to run after you, oh God. Father, this year has been so difficult for so many of us. So many of us have lost so many things. We have lost families. We have lost jobs. We have lost time. My God, so many of us have lost the opportunity of going outside and just fellowship with our family and friends. But my God, I believe that you're using even COVID-19 to turn us back to you. As you have allowed us to be quarantined, my God, you are saying now to us, now you are saying to us, it's time to spend time with your family. It's time to spend time with me. It is my time now. Hear your word, oh God, you're saying now is the time. We cannot waste this time, Father, doing silly things as watching television and wasting that time. And we need to spend time in your word and spend time with our families, laying our hands upon them and praying with them, my God, asking for you especially to move, Lord, during this time. And our children are, going, are doing school virtually in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm praying, my God, that you'll use us to break some stronghold. For our world is looking for men and women that has a relationship with you. As I'm hearing the words of Jehoshaphat, do we have anyone in this city who has a relationship with you? So thank you, Father, for how you have used me today to minister to these dear children. And Father, I give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Love you much. God bless you. And may God peace be with you. Amen. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. <laughs> oh, God bless you, man. Yeah.